Okay, so, um, Sue, Mimi LeBanc made her first appearance in the fourth series of the show, I know, I know. How did it feel joining an already successful sitcom? Well, actually, that was really quite nerve-wracking because you are actually joining a ready-made family. So, um, but it, it was it was a wonderful new experience. I mean, in my one-woman show, I actually talk about the first time I went to record my my first ever app with them, and they were such a great family, um, and they were already confident and well established. But I do remember David Croft, the writer, saying to me, you know, don't worry, love, on the first time if the audience sort of don't um, warm to you as much as the others. You know, they're well established. But I walked through that door of my first entrance, I suppose, looking somewhat like Frank Spencer in that long trench coat yeah. and beret. And the audience just went woof and I was at home very, very quickly. Written by sitcom legends David Croft and Jerry Lloyd, Aloha Low was the second offering from this very successful partnership. In your opinion, how did this benefit the show's success? Well, I do think, I mean, we all considered ourselves to be so lucky because we think we had two of, like, the finest, best writers. So... um when I first went to David Croft's house, uh, they had, you know, great expectations for this to go worldwide, which it did. It's actually seen in 95 countries. So, um, and if, of course, it was actually a little bit of a spoof from um, um, a series that uh, Jan Francis did. Do you remember that? Um and so it was, as I say, actually a, a, a spoof of, of, of something else. Um, and I remember Jan Francis saying, because she played the Michelle of the Resistance type character, and I remember her saying, you know, I wasn't sure if I liked this, first of all, a bit of a sort of send-up or whatever. But, of course, what she realised, I mean, it was terribly tongue-in-cheek, wasn't it? I know, I know some people say, um, oh, you wouldn't be allowed to do that today. But, um, I mean, a lot of Dubontop you know etc etc but uh, I think we all feel really privileged that we were in the wonderful hands of Croft and Lloyd um, who will never ever be f forgotten for all, all the wonderful things that they wrote. Um, as he did so triumphantly for Dad's Army David Croft chose to set the sitcom in a specific time in history. How significant is this in the enduring nature of the sitcom? Well, I think the fact of the matter is that is probably why it doesn't really date because I mean history is is never going to go go away, um, and we were fortunate enough um, to be filming uh, on location at a wonderful place in Linford Hall that David used a lot. Uh, this this hall, and it was all they always turned it into, um, you know, the set for the appropriate period, etc., etc. Um, and I, I know that uh, the success of Dad's Army had already been, you know, formulated um, at, at this Linford Hall. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, as you say, like history doesn't. It just doesn't. doesn't age, no, it? no. So I, I think, I think that's why. And even if you see the repeats now, um, probably why it doesn't doesn't date because, you, as you say, you, you know, the fact that it's. Um, the history is still taught in the schools, etc., etc. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, may, maybe that—that's why. 
uh, perhaps when you see some of the you know repeats of some of the older um, things, um, maybe a Dick Emmerich or whatever. Mm. To me, sometimes or um, what I loved it. Um, um, Ain't off hot and things like that, but um, and the lovely one with Michelle Dutrice and Michael Crawford, some mothers to him, but they sometimes seem to be a little dated, and I think the fact that this, you know, um, as I say, is part of our history, part um, that that's that's maybe part of its success. Yeah, I think so. Um. Like so many sitcoms from this era, the contentious issue of sex is a constant theme throughout. <laughs> Why do you think sexual lust and frustration are the heart of so many sitcoms? <laughs> well, with ours, I mean, let's face it, it's sort of, you know, as we always called it, like the, the, the Randy Frenchman, you know, the kinky Germans, etc., etc. But as I said, you know, earlier, it was a, a tongue-in-cheek and... And really, a lot of it was left to the public, uh, you, you know, um, for, for, for them, if that's the way they took it. We, we, we never thought we said anything wrong, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why did Hello Hello come to an end in 92? Well, I think like everything, um, it has a shelf life. I mean, in actual fact, it was considered that it was going to finish the series before. But John B. Hobbs, who came to direct um, the last series, uh, he'd done brush strokes and various, you know, other sitcoms, um, had such a ball with us. And he said it was one of the happiest times he'd spent. Uh, he said, I, I want to put in for another season. Is everybody going to stay with me? So that's what actually happened. But really and truthfully, I just think um, the timing was right. It was time to stop. As much as you think, oh, this will be really weird not having this anymore because it became, you know, it becomes part of your life. But I just think... Things do have a show of life. And sometimes people say to me, do you wish it had been, you know, remade? Or it could, uh, people say, when are they going to do another of it? I th- this is not broken. Leave it alone. Why try to mend it? Just, it was perfect as it was. Leave it and let's be remembered like that. Do you know, it was extremely weird because we went um, to the studio, you know, yet again where the, the set was, and as we stepped onto the, the set of the cafe floor, it actually felt like you'd never left. It was strange. Uh, Janie Chapman was filming um, one of her programs and she um next door and she came into the studio and she went oh she said i feel like you've never left it, and it did really really feel like that i mean obviously you know we were a little bit older but once we'd all frocked up only cost it, it, it was just like stepping back in time uh, in january of this year sadly britain lost a sitcom great what's your memories of the, yeah. uh, the late gordon k Well, um, I was a very, very close personal friend of Gordon's um, and shared a lot of sort of um, intimate times, personal times with Gordon. And so I did gradually see him on this decline. I mean, you probably remember he had this very bad accident back in 1989. And I, 
it had to take its toll somewhere along the line. Um, and I think in a way he was exceedingly lucky to have gone on as he did. Uh, but the last five years, um, I did see a steady, steady decline. And he always said to me, um, he actually didn't think he would make 70. He did actually make 75. Um, but he, he always said to me it, it wouldn't be long. And I can rem remember a few of our last phone calls, uh, thinking, oh, I can, I can feel your, you're, you're going. Uh, yeah, he, he was getting a few things muddled then by that time. Um, I was going out to do Annie with Sue Pollard in New Zealand. And for some reason, because Sue Pollard had done Peter Pan and Gordon and I had done Peter Pan together, he thought I was going to do Peter Pan. And he was saying, oh, you could give Sue some of the business, you know, that we did. He got a little bit confused. It got muddled for him toward the end. And I, as devastating as it was, I think it it was time for him to let let go and be released. Um, yeah. 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 Um, so we're here at the Museum of Comedy, where you're just about to take the stage for your one-woman show, Aloha Aloha, again. Uh, what can we expect? And we understand that you're touring the show next year. I am, I am. What you can expect as well today is the launch of the book, uh, Mimi's Memoirs, Aloha Aloha, which is another reason for being here at the Museum of Comedy. But what you can expect, if nothing else, is fun, uh, fun frivolity, um, uh, music, um, some, a couple of songs that I've written for it, including Mimi, Mimi, the Toast of Parry, and then a lower low can can that mentions every cast member at the end. So it's a lovely, fun, it's grandma's parlour, as I call it. Come into the parlour, sit down and enjoy a good chat and reminisce and go back mm -hmm. to a, a wonderful, wonderful series called Alolo. Um. So looking back at your career, what's your proudest achievement? Proudest achievement? Gosh. Um, I think probably always to get to the curtain call. <laughs> Whatever I do, I'm always so highly relieved, you know, so as I will be today. I know I'm amongst friends and lovely people, but you always think as the curtain comes down, phew, made it, you know, so... Um, Always, always proud um, of, of everything I do. And, uh, and just finally, uh, so we can let you go, uh, what's next for Sue Hodge? Um, well, I'm off um, doing a cruise um, with uh, children's entertainers like Melvin Hayes and Baroness Florella Benjamin, um, some people from Blue Peter, Etc. Then I've been asked to be part of the Bulgarian Cultural Festival this year, which is extraordinary. So I shall be going out to uh, Sofia, um, where they have actually run the series for 22 years. I know. Um, so, um, and that's what I'm going to be doing before I return uh, to go into pantomime. And I'm going to be doing Robin Hood. And I actually get a chance to play Dame. Um, so in the guise of the nurse, so me, Mimi the nurse, so I've always thought of it as uh, Robin Hood, Mimi and her merry men. <laughs>
<laughs> and who could be merrier than Mimi? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's brilliant. Well, well, thank you very much, Sue. Thank you. Pleasure, pleasure. Lovely to meet you.